Excited to be uh, continuing a series called Repeat, and uh, we are in the third week of that series. And if you're wondering what that's all about, it it really kind of comes out of this idea that uh, in marketing, they have this principle. Uh, They call it the uh, rule of seven. And the rule of seven is this idea that you have to kind of put... the the product or the thing or whatever in front of the people uh, at least seven times before they take notice and they potentially buy it. Uh, And so constantly keeping that in front of the people at a certain rate somehow leads to that result. And I was thinking kind of in an interesting, curious way about the possibility that if we did that in our spiritual walk with God, what kind of impact might that have on our lives? And so this repeat series is all about keeping it in front of us. It's all about repeating something that eventually will become a spiritual habit or a holy habit in our lives that will lead us to what God's preferred future is for each one of us. And we know that the Bible says that God's preferred future for us is that we would experience a rich and abundant life. That's what he wants. He wants us to experience that kind of life that he has so much more for us than we're probably currently experiencing. And that's exciting. That's exciting to think about. But the thing I have to always be clear about when I start talking about habits, you know, doing things, is that this has nothing to do with getting God to love you more. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you because he made you, is what the Bible says. So you don't ever have to do anything there. The thing we have to do is say yes to what he's done for us. And so the Bible says that when we say yes to him, when we say yes to the sacrifice that he's made on our behalf, that we are able then to enter into relationship with Jesus, and that is secured by what Jesus has done for me, not anything that I've done for myself. But this entire series is really about saying, okay, if that's true of your life, and if it's not, we'll talk about that later. But if it is true of your life, that what you have to do is begin to do some things that are going to lead to what God wants to see realized in your life. Because like I've said before, is that when you get saved, if you've been saved, or if you've said yes to Christ and entered into a relationship with Jesus, the majority of people don't just go, "Uh." that means dead, guys, you see that? I didn't know if you knew that because I, I didn't get the reaction I was looking for. So, so, so that means that you don't keel over, you know, it, it, usually you have a life to lead. And, and, and so, so the point is, is that you're here today and that, that, that what is it that your next step is so that you can become more like Jesus so that you can be more like God in your relationship with him and with other people. How do you do that? Well, these habits, these This repetition, the repeating, the process of doing that is ultimately what leads us to that being realized in our life. So we've talked about fasting. We've talked about the importance of Bible reading. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but last week we started it off with talking about, you know, the importance of Bible reading. You got to read it right before you need it. Remember this? You got to read it, repeat it before you need it. Well, that whole idea kind of then gets played out the rest of the week. I don't know if you noticed, but then you had a handout in your bulletin. You could have used that if you wanted to, and you could go through the week, and you could do a few things, or maybe you came to 21 days, and guess what we were talking about at 21 days? We were talking about reading your Bible. We were talking about the importance of the Word. And so it got got repeated and emphasized throughout the week. That was purposeful. And some of you are like, oh, I just got it! (laughs) So yeah, I get it. Some of us are a little slower on the uptake. But here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. We can do that with certain spiritual habits. And if we do that consistently, we're going to be better. I mean, that's just the reality. And so today I want to focus in on the importance of cultivating spiritually strong relationships. Because you've heard me say this before, is that show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You, you, the people you surround yourself with, the people that are in your life consistently, are either going to bring you up or bring you down. They may even just keep you there, you know? But who wants to just be there? Like, like I want to be able to go further. I want to, I want to do more with my life. I don't want to get to the end of my life and feel like I wasted it. You know, and it's like mom used to say, you know, the friends you have, come on, they either, they're going to either help you or hurt you. The people you associate with. And she was right. You know, you didn't think that as a teenager. You're like, ah, whatever, mom. <laughs> but she was right. And so the Bible is very clear about how important relationships are to our success, to us being what God wants us to be. And so we're going to spend a little time diving into this important idea of having strong spiritual relationships. You know, Larry Crabb is a writer and theologian and I think a uh, psychologist. And he, he said this in a book called Connecting that I, I just thought it's always stuck with me. He said that he really fundamentally believes that real transformation in our lives is not going to happen outside of Christian community. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't be transformed in terms of our standing before God because of what Jesus has done for us. But, but, but it does mean that there's something about the relationships that we have within the Christian community, within, within believer sets, so to speak, that lead to us experiencing transformation in our lives. And there's this weird kind of fallacy out there, which I'll talk about in just a moment, is that somehow it's just me and Jesus just me and Jesus. Well, that is true for salvation, but that is not necessarily true for transformation, full-on transformation. And so the Bible teaches both. It's both and. It's not either or. And so Larry, I think, was on to something that we all have to look at because, see, isn't it true that we live in a world today that seems to be more and more connected? We seem to be more and more connected with people through technology, and yet people are increasingly more lonely. Like, that's the data point. And I don't even know what that means yet. I don't know the impact of technology on human society or our brains yet because we haven't been in the thing long enough. But we do realize it's impacting us. And we've talked about that a little bit. And I, like I said, I'm not smart enough to figure that out, but, but I, I know this is that, okay, we're supposedly more connected. People seem to be more lonely. And we're experiencing the highest rates of suicide in the history of our country. Huh. That's curious. You see what I'm getting at? Is it that, that, that just because we somehow have this illusion of connection doesn't mean that we're connected. It doesn't mean that we're really experiencing what God wants for us. You know, just because I check in on somebody online doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm finding that deeper connection. And see, that's what God understood. God knew that we needed this in our life to be successful. Look at this. I mean, you go all the way back to Genesis all the way back to the first book of the Bible where God created the world, and that's where he created humanity. And right here he says this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now in this context, God is speaking about Adam and Eve and, and that whole story, and perhaps you've heard it. But the principle here is really significant. 
God never intended for Adam just to hang out in the garden by himself. Now, he, even when he got his animal friends, that was not enough. Some of you think your cat is enough. Lord, help you. I mean, at least get a dog. I mean, cat doesn't even like you. He just looks at you like, I'm a cat. At least the dog will run towards you and say, hey, I like you. But it wasn't enough. I mean, he could have stopped with animals, but he didn't. He went further. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. That it was important that there was this connection that would happen. And God knew that, and that's something that we have to understand. And here's the reality, is if we don't do it God's way, we won't experience what God has for us. And I know that's really simple, guys. Like, I get it. But it is that black and white. It is that straightforward. Obedience leads to what God has for us. Disobedience doesn't. And so, so, so what we have to understand is that cultivating relationships, critical, spiritual, strong, godly relationships that help us to be known, loved, and challenged is essential to our success. Having those kinds of relationships in our life are so important. And so here's the key thought I want you to get. If you want to rise, you have to learn to relate. If you want to go higher, if you want to get better, if you want to grow, you have to learn to relate. You have to learn to interact in circles that maybe you don't always feel comfortable doing. Because it's in those places that God is going to meet you. It's going to, God is going to teach you how to love him better, how to love other people better how to press into things that maybe you don't want to. It's in those smaller environments that maybe you get face-to-face with someone, that you start to actually unpack some stuff. You know, because I think sometimes we think if we just come to church, we're going to be okay. And the thing I know is, I've guys, I've been in this a long time, and I've seen people come to church every week, and they're still the same. And why is that? Because I don't preach good? Well, that couldn't be it. <laughs> Because I'm not, I mean, because I'm, I'm saying something. But what is it? It, it? I think it comes down to the fact that this is not enough. This will get you started, but it's not enough. You have to learn to repeat something else in your life. And that is relationships. Getting face-to-face with people that know you, that can love you, and can challenge you. And see, when that starts to happen in your life, you will begin to rise. You will begin to rise. You will begin to see how relating is going to help you go higher. Those are the things you'll see. And and what I often see repeated in our lives is that we don't do it. We hear the preacher, yeah, small group, got to do it. And we don't do anything with it. We walk out and we're like, that's great. That was a good, pastor, that was a great sermon. I really appreciated that. Thank you. That That was a word I needed to hear. I always want to end that with, we'll do something with it then. Right? That'd be rude because people would be like, oh, he's so mean. <laughs> but what I hear sometimes repeated is, I just don't have time. Right? I don't have time. I said that last week. I can't read my Bible. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Well, you're never going to get to where you want to go. I mean, you can put your head in the sand. I mean, it's going to happen. Do you want to go there or not? Do you want to be more like God? Do you want to be more like Jesus? You might say, I've heard this repeated. I'm an introvert. I like those groups. 
people in them. Well, see, introverts, is, I figured this out. Introverts, it's not that introverts don't like people. People just drain them. That's the thing you have to understand about introverts. They like people. So if you're an introvert, you're just telling yourself a lie. You just need to get alone, recharge, and then go get in your group. Do your group, then go home and recharge with your cat. <laughs> Do it. Just see, see, introverts sometimes think that. And I said, that's such just an excuse, guys. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, you still need to be in godly community. You still, need to be, you still need to be in a place where you can rise, where you can be challenged, where you can be known, loved, and challenged. And this idea that somehow it's just me and Jesus, you know, that's one I see repeated. Guys, that is so unbiblical. It's just not. It's not true. And so if you've believed that, if you're like, well, I don't need no, I don't need church in my life. Well, fine, you can believe that. The problem is the Bible just doesn't say it. Just doesn't say it. And so you have to understand that community, it is love God and love people. It is one of those things that God set up, both vertical and horizontal, for our success. And so we have to have that in our life to make ourselves better. You know, and, 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 and I've also heard this repeated is, you know, I've, I've tried it, Pastor. I've tried to go to a group and I just had a bad experience. You know, I've just had bad experiences with it. And I get that. Like, I've been in groups, too, where I didn't like them. I didn't like the people in them. Like, you, you've probably had those experiences where you're, like, sitting in this group. It's like, I really think you're annoying. <laughs> I mean, is that all you do is talk? For the love, right? You're like, I mean, you just, I mean, it could be anything. Or it's the person that cries too much, you know, or. That's probably <laughs> more my thing, but. <laughs> It's like, stop, you're okay, you're okay. But you know, we, we have these experiences. And then what we do is we, because it's a negative experience or a bad experience, so to speak, we create a movement or a trajectory in our life that takes us away from the principle. It's, see, the group that we're in, is it, it may have been a bad experience, but it should never steal from us the principle. And that's the thing, is we let the principle get hijacked because we had a bad experience. The principle is still the same. Maybe you just had a bad group. Maybe it was just wasn't the right people. Maybe you, or maybe it was the right people. Because you know what I've found? Is if you're talking about the people in your group saying how much you don't like them, there's a good chance they're talking about you. <laughs> there's a good chance you're the guy. You're the one. You never knew it. Because you didn't stay in the group long enough to find out. <laughs> and so you, I mean, you just never know. But that's what happens in groups. I always think that in every group you're in, you should have somebody you really like and you should have somebody you don't like. Because what happens is the one you like, you know, brings you up, you love it, you enjoy it. The one that you don't like challenges you to love people that you don't particularly like. That's what it's there for. And if you never put yourself in a position to be challenged, you love to be known and loved, but you'll never be challenged, you're not going to grow. That's why we need these groups. That's why we need people around us that we like and some that we don't like, because all of those things make us better. All of those things make us stronger for the things that God wants to give us. And so regardless of whether you like people, you still have to engage the principle. Regardless of whether you like to relate to people in this way, you still have to engage the principle. 
And that is that God said it's not good for you to be alone. God had said that you have to be face-to-face with people and get real sometimes if you're ever going to become what he wants you to become. One of the other ones I hear sometimes repeated is that, you know, all these groups are just so elementary. You know, oh, they're just talking about stuff I've heard before. Well, that's all well and good, and I know you're a big scholar and everything, but... And maybe you have heard it, but here's the bigger question I have for you. If you've heard it, are you doing it? You know what I mean? Like I find people like, I've heard it. Well, so? Just because you've heard it doesn't mean you're doing it. Just because you've heard it doesn't mean you're putting it into practice. And so the Bible says, you know, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And so you can walk out of here and hear it all day but it doesn't mean you've put it into practice. It doesn't mean that you've, you've started to repeat it in your life, that it actually has taken root in your life and is leading you to this place that God wants you to go. So get rid of that. I think any disciple in any environment can grow if they want to. You can learn from somebody, even if you think they're annoying. Even if you think they, 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 they I mean, whatever your assessment is of that human, You can learn something, I guarantee you. It's just a question of whether you're humble enough and open enough to the possibility. And I'm not judging you because I've been in environments where I'm like, I can't learn that from these dummies. You've probably had that. You get prideful. Like, why am I here? Jeez, you're wasting my time. Some of you are so busy, you think that. You're like, oh, it's just such a waste of time. It was a waste of time because you didn't engage it. You didn't engage the people that were there. That God wanted you to engage, even though you thought we're annoying. It's those distractions a lot of times that God's, that's where the divine touch is. I hate that sometimes. Because I don't like to be distracted, do you? I mean, I mean I'm focused. Go. Like, oh. Somebody's like crying. I'm like, oh, I got to come here. <laughs> you guys are like, I really don't want to go to that guy for pastoral counseling. <laughs> I'm really struggling here. But, you know, if we don't cultivate spiritual habits, these kinds of spiritual habits, we're not going to grow. And the relating component of the Christian experience is about growing and knowing and and, and being known and and being loved and experiencing the challenge that comes from that. And so I just want to talk about a few things and we'll be done. But but I want to talk about three repeatable essentials for your growth. Three repeatable essentials for your growth. Because what happens is when you're in a large room like this, you can't necessarily grow like you want to. Like, I wish that when I preached, people would just, like, grow. Like, I mean, I really do. I wish I would, like, be like, yeah, I'm preaching so hard. And then all of you would just be, like, growing at the time that I'm doing it. But that's not what happens. A lot of times what happens is some, there's some information transfer, so I'm like, I'm transferring information to you right now. You're, you're gathering some knowledge or some whatever. But the other thing that a lot of times happens in preaching, which is one of the goals of my style of preaching, is just to get people uh, to, to move towards something. That they, they're, they're open and somewhat motivated to move towards something. Because see, if I can get you in a big group to move towards something smaller, I can actually help you grow. And so one of the strategies at our church is to try and say, okay, we're going to have a big group, sure, but we're going to move people to smaller groups. Why? So that they can get face-to-face. So that people can get to know each other. So that people can connect and really be intentional about that. Because that's where it's at, my friends. 
That's where it's at. And so here's some repeatable things that you need in every group you're in. The first is, is that we need to be known. You've heard me say it, and I keep repeating it. Ha! We need to be known. We need to be known. The disciples of Jesus were known by Jesus. There was an intimacy with Jesus that was there, that was present. And that's what we have to have as well. We have to have an intimacy and a presence with Jesus, but we also have to have relationships where we are known. Listen to this. I want to read something to you from the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. I'll just start reading in in, in verse 10, but listen to this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So look, this is what you got to see. That the enemy is working against everything that God wants in your life. Do you understand that? So so in other words, if this is the principle, you need to be in relationship. It is not good for you to be alone. You know, if this is the principle, if there is an opposite to that principle, the Bible would say that the enemy is the one doing it. So if you have bought into something that is contrary to what the principle is, then what happens is we don't then move towards the rich and satisfying life that Jesus wants us to have. It's really not that hard because I think sometimes we think it's more complicated than that. No, it's not. See the principle of God and whatever's on the opposite of that, there's a good chance it's from the enemy. There's a good chance that he's working against you to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants you to have. And then he goes on in verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd. That's Jesus. Jesus is saying, guys, I want you to know I'm the good shepherd. You can trust me. I'm the one that is going to lead you into this if you allow me. He goes on, he says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolves coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. You know, the thing I know about the enemy is he always overpromises and underdelivers. On the back end of our choice to not follow God, you live in that hell of disobedience and it hurts and he's nowhere to be found. Because he's like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. It's not great. It lets you down, it leaves you vulnerable, alone, depressed. All the things, that's what it leaves you with. And that's what the enemy wants for you. Do you know that's not God's will for your life? That is not his will for your life. He wants more for you. But this particular hired hand is going to lead you in that direction all the time because he doesn't know you, even though he says he does. Watch this in verse 13. It says the hired hand runs away because, look at that, he's working only for the money and he doesn't really care about the sheep. (laughs) Verse 14, and this is the part I want you to see. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. Look at that. And they know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. So the point is, is that Jesus is trying to say that, that, that just like he knows the Father, he knows you. And your job as a follower of Jesus is to know him. 
And the way you know him is you spend time with him. The way you know people is you spend time with people. You have to create space. And if you're so busy that you can't create space or margin, you will not have this. Someday you may get to the end of your life and regret your life because nobody is showing up. And the reason they're not showing up is because you didn't do this. Now you may go to heaven, but you may be lonely. And I, I don't want that for you. Do you want that for your life? I don't want that. When I, man, when I go out of this place, I want this place packed. Like when I die, I want lots of people showing up. I do. And it's not because of my ego. It's because I want, I want my life to matter. I want somehow that I've touched enough lives that people, you know, I want people to buy plane tickets to show up at my funeral. From like New York, they just spent like a grand just to come. Come on, that's an impact, isn't it? I mean, if somebody puts money towards your funeral, they care about you. That was just an aside. (laughs) Vulnerability is essential us fully being known. Like, I have to be willing to be vulnerable. I have to get in environments where I take the mask off. That people actually see what's real. Because see, here's the thing. There are people, and you, and you may be like this, I've been like this in my life too, is, and I'm like this seasonally, is, is there's the person I want people to see, and then there's the person that's real. Like, this is what's real. And if you don't ever get in a group, you'll be able to keep that mask on for a long time. And my heart for you as your pastor is that you would get to a place where you're willing to take the mask off. Like you'd just be honest. You'd be vulnerable enough to say, hey, this is where I'm at. Because what happens is if you don't, you keep that mask on and you keep that mask on and you keep that mask on and then eventually I have to bail you out of jail because you've done something stupid. You've messed up. You've allowed the enemy to convince you of lies that aren't true. That's why you got to get some people in your life that's like, hey, 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 look, look, look. This is what's real. This is what's real about you. This is what's real about you. Don't believe that stuff about yourself. Believe this about yourself. And, oh, you know that thing you're struggling with? I've struggled with that too. But let's talk about that. Or, hey, you know that thing you You can get free from that. Or, you know, just that somebody's calling you, texting you in the morning. Hey, how's that thing going? Hey, how you doing today? You know, hey, today, when you have that meeting with your boss, make sure you keep your mouth shut. Be humble. You know, be teachable. Because if not, you'll lose your job. And, and you know, get what I mean? You have people in your life that are just helping you. And, but you can only do that if they know you. The other is that we have, to, we have to realize that we need to be loved. We really do need to be loved. And it's not like the world loves us. It's a different thing altogether. Because I think sometimes you're like, are you saying I need to walk around and say, we love me, we love me, we love me? No, that's dysfunctional. What you need is to experience the love of the Father It's such a very deep level that it changes what you think about yourself and what you think about other people and gives you the ability to love them the way that God loves you. That's what it means to fully experience that. Listen to this in Luke 3. This is where Jesus is baptized. And I love the way that the father speaks about his son. Listen to this. It's so, it's so beautiful. He says, one day when the, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit in bodily form, that's that's amazing, descends like a dove 
And it says, and the Bible says, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Some of you today, you don't know that. You haven't experienced that in your life. You have not experienced the love of God at such a deep level that you know that he's speaking over you saying, hey, just so you know, I love you. You're my son. You're my son. And I am proud of you. And you bring me great joy. You're my daughter. I'm proud of you. And you bring me great joy. See, some of us haven't experienced that. And I'm not saying you're bad for not experiencing it. I'm just simply saying you need to. You need to move towards it. You need to begin to be overwhelmed by the love of the Father at such a deep level that it begins to transform you from the inside out. You know, when I look at the cross and in my mind's eye or when I read stories or accounts about it, I am face to face with a God that loves me. I'm face to face with a Savior. I'm face to face with someone that was willing to die on my behalf that I didn't do anything to deserve. Nothing. And as I look at my Savior dying on the cross, the thing I have to realize is that He did that because He loves me. He did that because He loves each one of you. And what happens is when that grabs hold of you, man, it's not hard to move towards God anymore. Now, it it becomes discipline sometimes, but it's not hard. You want to be there. Like, you want to be invested. You, yeah, God, speak. I want to hear. You know, open my Bible. Pray. Go to this thing. I, I want to hear more, God. And then what the other part of that is, is when that starts to happen, the flip happens too. And that is you can actually start loving people that you don't like. You can start loving people you hate. You can, have, <laughs> you can start loving people that drive you nuts. Because... Like this church, for example. I mean, you know, we're about 300 people, okay, right now. Be 600 by the end of the year in Jesus' name, right? In the church like this, there are people in here that are weird. Did you know that? (laughs) But you know, one of the things my wife and I reflect on sometimes is how in the world does God get these people to show up, you know, these kinds of people, to hang out with each other, you know, and do life together. It's, 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 a, it's, it's really an amazing thing, you know, when you see that happen. Like people that would not normally hang out with each other, it's just cool. It's, it's such a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. It's like when that happens. And, and sometimes I'm amazed at the people I rub shoulders with because I wouldn't normally rub shoulders with them, you know, in everyday life. But I'm rubbing shoulders with this person and, and they're teaching me things about myself and some of them are teaching me patience and some of them are, t- you know, and some of them are, uh, their humor is different than mine, but I'm, I'm able to engage it and makes me better. You know, I mean, you get it, right? I mean, you kind of start to understand is that it's there that we find what God has for us. And so I have to be able to receive the love of the Father before I can really give it, you know? So I've got to be vulnerable. I've got to, I've, got to, I've got to experience God's love. And then finally, I'll end with this, is that we need to be challenged, guys. We all need to be challenged. Because if we're not challenged, we're not going to grow. Listen to this in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Then watch what he says in verse 13. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. What's he saying? 
He's just simply saying that every day you need to be reminded. Every day. And sometimes that happens because I've cultivated this whole idea of read it, repeat it before I need it. I'm being reminded of reading the Bible because I'm, I'm in it. I'm hearing what God has to say. And sometimes it's because I'm in a group that I've figured out that if I want to rise, I got to relate. And so I've, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to do that because what happens is then your buddy's like texting you or somebody's calling you on the phone and saying, hey, today, remember this. Hey, don't forget. Hey, you know, you know, like that person really hurts you. Don't let that thing get a hold of your heart. You know, you know, that thing that person said that offended you. Don't let that thing get a hold of your heart, because what happens is you'll get hard. And if you get hard, you won't be soft. And if you don't, if you're not soft, you're not going to hear what God has to say. And you're definitely not going to have to. You're not, definitely not going to hear what I have to say, because we start to build these walls and you get it right. You all are smart people. So we've got to we got to know we got to be known we got to be loved we got to be challenged and and uh, and part of that challenge is that we grow when people encourage us past our current comfort level. Yeah. So when we go past our current comfort level, that's where we can actually start to grow. That's where the stretch is. And so when I'm encouraged past that, it helps me to become better. And that happens in smaller groups where I finally take the mask off and I finally get honest about what's going on in my life so that I can rise, so that I can be all that God wants me to be as I learn to relate. Now, one of the things I just want to draw your attention to as a church is, is, is that in your bulletin, uh, worship guide, there is a little card in here called e-groups. See it? This is it. I want you to grab that. I want you to grab it. If you don't have it, the ushers can help you get one. Uh, just raise your hand up. They'll get you one. But... I want us to take just a second here. Now, look, I'm not selling you insurance here, guys. I'm not up here peddling groups. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying to you as your pastor that if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to grow, this is one of the best places to start doing it. And so what I want you to do is grab this, and we're going to take just about 30 seconds, and I want you to begin to look over it. And I want you to pray about it as you do. And just ask the Lord, say, God, where do you want me? Where do you want me? Now, I know that there are seasons that it doesn't work. I get it. But I just want to encourage you because here's what I know. The Bible is very clear about this, <laughs> that in this world, I will have trouble. And I know that sometime this semester, something's coming down the pike. Something's going to happen. And I just know that it's always better to do it with people than without people. And this is your opportunity to begin to engage here. Because God will meet you in it, and he'll be there. And when the thing hits the fan, you'll have somebody on your back. You'll have somebody on your six watching your back, helping you. And that's, that's really one of the big goals here. And so I want you to take just a second and do that. Just look over it real quick. Just look over it and pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for each person in this room that as they're looking over this form, that they begin to connect, that there just be a divine flow towards particular groups, Lord, and that you would encourage them and get them there. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. Um, 
But I know this, that your life's going to be better if you move towards it and not away from it. Um, so right now, if that's you, if you're like, yes, I, I'm committing today. I want to commit today to really engage here. I want to pray for you. And Lord, I just, I just ask right now that the movement that's happening in, this, in the spirit and in people's lives right now, that that movement, that you'd begin to fan it that you begin to fan it and that flame would get stronger and stronger. And so the commitments that are being made right here in this room would lead to people engaging so that they can have these kinds of groups in their life. And so just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm in. I'm going to do my best. Show me where I need to go, who I need to connect with, so that I can get this in my life, so that I can be known, so that I can be loved, so that I can be challenged. Still praying together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I just want to ask you this question. If you're here today and, and, and as I talked, maybe even me describing the cross was a little foreign to you. Like maybe you've heard it, but it's just not your thing. Or maybe you heard it in a new way. Maybe you've never heard it that way. I just want to say that I fundamentally believe that God loves you and that you're here for a reason today. He has a plan and a purpose for your life if you would allow yourself to be open to it. And one of those plans for your life is to save you so that you could spend eternity with him forever. And so the Bible says that if I would be willing to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus has done these things for me, that he comes in, that he will come in and he'll begin to do a work in me. He'll save me. He'll transform me. He'll begin that process in me. And so I don't know if that's something you've done, or, but, I, but, but it is important that you do it. And, I, and, and perhaps this is the day for you. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to do something. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand as a way of indicating your desire to take that step of faith. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to do that on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good, 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 good. See some hands going up. Good job. Anybody else? Good. Anybody? Don't wait. This is your day. God put you here. All right. Hands down. Um, I'm going to pray for you. Church, let's all pray together. No one's praying alone in here. And so, God, I just thank you for this moment. Would you repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, we need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you set me free? Will you be Lord of my life? Help me, God. Mm. Put me in a group. Put me in a good church. Show me my purpose. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good.